Hey guys, welcome to the Limitation is a Mirage podcast. On this episode, I have another superhuman guest in Sean Connolly. I met Sean many moons ago as a martial artist. And as we got to know each other, I discovered that he did a lot more with his um, applied psychology, kinesiology, anything to do with the body. I did a massage, martial arts massage course with you actually, it just popped into my head a few years <laughs> back. Uh, you work with coaches and dancers and performers and anyone who wants to improve their mental capacity to be better at their sport, I suppose would be the layman's like the lowest level of it. So for anyone that doesn't get what I just said, do you want to give a, a higher <laughs> overview of that, please? And welcome to the show. Well, a bit like you, Liam, I'm a problem solver. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, most, most athletes and performing artists, uh, well, train for thousands of hours, days, weeks, months, and years. But many of them, when it comes to performing under pressure, they just can't deal with it. They have no emotional intelligence, and they're not aware of how the emotions are just energy and motion through the nervous system that mm. can suppress their potential what they've trained for, which is quite sad. And, and as you know yourself, easy fixed. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. it's really just tweaking that at the end for them and giving them a blueprint where they can go away and have it for the rest of their their life i think whenever in my experience working with athletes and stuff is that they get so focused in the art that they're doing whatever it is whether it's dance whatever that they forget there's they still have their psychological side of it like normal stuff i remember working with a client that didn't want to um challenge for the belt because he didn't want to speak on camera but it wasn't even aware that that was a problem and that was what was yeah. actually holding them back. So when it, whenever you're, how do you teach, is teach the right word? How do you show them that actually they're holding themselves back and it is just an emotional intelligence problem and not a massive think, one that they've made it? Because I always say it's better felt than dealt. When I'm running any workshops, I'll always get, like I was taking a, a couple of senior hurling teams there and uh, senior Camogues team down in Dublin. And the first thing they do is measure all their personal best sprints, endurance, uh, power jumps, press-ups, anything that they want to lift weights, if it's CrossFit, and then show them how they can smash it on the day. After after the first hour, really, they yeah. can smash their personal best. Um, if it's individual, again, you giving them that and then giving them, okay, this is what you have been doing. Many of them will sabotage the results and actually get uh, <clears throat> get less results when you do the same exercises just by putting in some negative emotions, mm -hmm. which most people will put in before the event. They're, they'll all say that, you know, they put all this practice in, they put their life into it. But the last bit of preparation is anxiety, fear, and self-doubt. Yeah, and to think it's normal, but yeah, it will, it will be normal to have the adrenaline running. But it's back to that emotional intelligence what's going on in here? What are the results it's going to give me? And how are you going to replace it and stop fighting with it? Because you know, you're, you'll see people yourself, Liam, and they've been fighting with fear or, or self, low self esteem for years. Yeah, they, they almost get into their sport to hide it. At least I'm good at this. Yeah. And then when they're good at that, they forget that it all. Like I tried to explain to the guys that I would have worked with when you go into the gym, I know there's a whole saying like leave your ego at the door and all this stuff, but you technically you're still taking it with you. You're still 
you're still developing all these skills within the gym so if you can take them inside and outside it's going to make a massive difference like to the run up to the competition because you can just fly through and like you said then competitions next week i'm starting to get nervous start to have anxiety start to have self-doubt and then you land and i didn't really perform at my best and you're like well that's because yeah. you weren't performing it i think so how, how do you how do you teach them to realize that they're not performing at their best because in my experience they would have come back and said i don't know what happened i just wasn't performing and i'm like well do you normally be anxious <laughs> and and freak I'm out? because that's a regular email you would get us yeah like, i usually get a life story of somebody <laughs> and then yeah. but it, when it comes to the big competitions we don't know what happens <laughs> yeah <laughs> but the thing they're the only person in the world going through that Whereas everybody does it. Mm -hmm. I wish I had known this stuff when I was younger, when I boxed. <laughs> yeah. I was lucky when I competed. My my master didn't really settle for, I'm a bit nervous or afraid. It was kind of a case of, get, get in there and end this. And you're like, you're more afraid of what he was going to say than yeah. going into the, the opponent. So I, I was lucky in that regard that it was overridden by different fear. I didn't want to come off the, the mat. And tell him, well, I didn't really do my best. Like he he just wanted you to do your best, but the way he put it across was get out, get out and get that done. Um so again, that's a, not it's amazing the, the, the coaches, the many different coaches in this even I'm sure you've came across some yourself, some of the older coaches in sport. Uh if you mentioned sports psychology or anything that we do, they'll go, ah, oh, nonsense, you know. Um, never had it in my day, but they're actually using it. They've yeah. developed their own strategies and they're very, very good at it, but it's just they've, they've framed it in a, in a different way. You know, I remember a young boxer, Neandrums, was a, a friend of mine, his son, and he, he was he had a, a flu on him. Shouldn't have been down there, but he was boxing anyway in the, in the finals. And uh, he says he was felt, feeling very weak and he didn't know whether to get in. And I had a chat done a session with him for about 10 minutes, maybe 15 minutes. And uh, he'd done really well. And his grandfather, who was an ex-Olympian, and uh, actually the first, um, uh, first Olympian from here, first to, to beat a Cuban in the Olympics. But uh, uh, he says to me, well, what were you saying to him? He says, because I've never seen him fight like that before. You know, he says he went out there. And he says, oh, just a bit of sports psychology. Ah. <laughs> Uh, you know, but better tell them about the birds and the bees. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, but they're brilliant, as I say, and you you learn so much off the old coaches. Mm -hmm. Look at the knowledge they have. I used to do it. Even people used to ask me, "How come you always land a class?" When I used to go up to Tom's, they'd be like, "How how come you always land a class so early?" And I'd be like, "Cause there's other classes on that I can see. If I'm traveling this far, I'm going to try to learn." And then I'd watch, yes. watch the before class. Then I'd watch him teach, and then I would do my session, and then I would watch the after. So I might be there three hours, but I'm only getting up once a week. And people are like, yes. "You spend a while out of time there." And I'm like, "Well, not really." And I'm trying to absorb. How is he making that kid who couldn't do that a minute ago do that? How did you? And I'd ask that, like, when, the next day when he's like, when I'm on my session, anybody get any questions? And I'm asking questions like, "How did you?" That wee kid couldn't do that double leg. And then you said so on and then he did do the double leg. What what's yeah, what's happening there? But I love that idea of when you're chatting to them, even though you, the proof's there, they've seen it. Ugh. The best thing I've ever heard well, is Tom's a phenomenal coach and he's uh, well versed in psychology mm -hmm. and philosophy, Eastern philosophies. Um, <clears throat> as you know, 
me and my friend Peter would have helped him for a lot of his fights. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, some of the stuff he came up, he was very, uh, very creative in his methods for preparing for for pain and hardship and mm-hmm. um, and staying focused under it, which a lot of people. Um, and back in the day, it wasn't as big as it was now. Uh, even a lot of the sparring partners were far later than him. But so he wanted to make. He wanted. To, he always reminded me of that old saying. You see it in the in the boxing gyms. You know, the more you sweat in the gym, the less you bleed in the ring. And that and that was Tom. Yeah. And again, he's a classical yeah. example of somebody who eats and sleeps his work. And one of those rare coaches who does care about the person in there who's coached. It's not all about the winning. It's about them developing them themselves and not being not being damaged. Yeah. I- I think that's what what attracted me to coaches like him and yourself. Like we, we met a few times before we started to interact. Like we, I met you and Peter a few times, and it's, just, it's for me. It was always about being a martial artist and not doing martial arts. Like, and mm-hmm. for people that don't know the difference is, when I started, I was doing martial arts. I just wanted to learn kick and punch and flying kick and flying punch, and then I wanted to learn to live the life of it. I wanted to be a martial artist, like and. That idea of knowing that there's going to be pain and struggle and sacrifice, but prepping yourself for it. Do you think that is something that's overlooked in a lot of people's performances? Like I know you work with dancers and and hurling and sport. You basically work with I think sport. all sports and all arts are, are, are great for giving us life lessons. Mm-hmm. Like uh, I was a pop down to the World Championships, the Waterfront Hall, just to see a lot of the coaches from Canada and America I'd worked with over the years. And I was saying to one of them, because um, I met a couple of girls who had retired. They were think some of us in life. Lessons that they've taken away. And in all sports you're learning, you get out of it what you put into it. One of the you know, maybe underperform or things don't go your way. Um, you, you've uh, the the loss today with the, the counselor supporter for the rest of the team. I think the lessons that they, they take into life itself. Any any um, ex athletes I know who were at a high level, if they win the business, they do really well in their careers mm-hmm. because they've been programmed at a young age. You know, rugby. I always loved rugby. You know, it can be a bit like life at times where you're you're trying to go that way. And there's a load of people trying to harm you and stop you going out. <laughs> so yeah. you need that support behind you. And uh, again, it doesn't matter who you are. I think we, we get a bit lost at times and think it's it's all us. Um, if it's meant to be, it's up to me. But there's never any sort of avenue in life where you're not relying on the support of other people. I think that's very important. Mm-hmm. I, you would see that in like sport like MMA. People be like, I ah, but it's just you in the ring or the mm-hmm. cage or whatever. And you're like, I but it's not just you getting there. Like and technically yeah. you're not your coach, your supporters, yeah. your family, you know, your friends. Um this uh, and I think just personally, like as I said, I grew up in boxing and I coached it not then before we were in the tan and the in the Premontas, but the um a lot of my friends they grew up with boxing. And a lot of them were international, bigger in life, and a lot of them ended up drinkers and um, other problems. And I think that was 
having that mentality that I need to push through these, you know, if you when you retire from a sport, if it's been your life, then you've took away your recognition, your sense of achievement, and who a lot of people think, you know, who am I? Mm-hmm. Yeah, what have I got now? And <clears throat> some of them do find it hard to settle into society again. But they're thinking, well, I'll just fight this. I'll keep my head down. I'll keep punching through life. You, mm-hmm. you need you need that support around you, and and that's that's fight. Even I think I told you that the, the uh, I've I was started this journey in musculoskeletal therapies, but it was actually 22 years ago today that I lost my youngest brother through um, suicide, and uh, that's what drove me down this avenue. Mm. And I I've always preferred to, to work with the 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 teenagers and that through sport and activities, they don't want to be lectured to about mental health. But no. if we can give them, as all, all coaches, if we can give them the resilience and that support, then it's gonna it's gonna help them have a better life and, yeah. and avoid that. You know, because a lot of kids who aren't in the sports or activities like that and and they're not building resilience, um there's there's they're constantly stressed and then if they don't they don't believe they have the ability to get out of that that stress eventually will stop just coming and going stays so then they're in the hypertonic stage of of anxiety yeah and yeah. you can only hold anxiety for so long till apathy sets in when they burn out the adrenals have burnt out and that's the that's the the growing ground for depression so yeah. i think um all sports are fantastic all all arts um, I love them all. I think everybody should, you know, and as you said, you, you, your martial arts uh, becomes a part of who you are. It's like your daily dance, your daily, it is you. Mm-hmm. Nobody can take it away from you. Yeah. Uh, I, people would say to me when I used to fly to America and Canada a lot to, to, to deliver the workshops and you spent most of your time in airports and in hotels on your own, <laughs> like Mr. Bean. <laughs> <laughs> But they say to me, you're never bored. I'm never bored. I always have my forms, my breathing, my qigong. I'm always yeah. learning things. And, you know, uh, um, it just becomes your life, doesn't it? You can always, I'd always say to people in the airports and stuff too, like you can always find somewhere in an airport to practice. There's always a space somewhere. <laughs> people are sitting. The bathroom. <laughs> I, I, I used to just go and wander about and then I'd find a wee space and I would just practice. And the people... People pass me by, but nobody's nobody's paying any attention. Like they're just they're doing their thing, and they're just as bored. And like I remember doing it on a beach, and eyes closed, loving life, doing a wee bit of tai chi, and open eyes. And there's about twelve people there. Like, <laughs> and my automatic reaction was not to shy away. Do you want to join me? Yes. And about six of them did some jigong with me. I was like, I'll just show you something simple. And we just had a wee yeah. class on the beach. The other six, which I found very weird, and I did ask them, they wouldn't join in. But they would stand and watch and i was like well just breathe with us no i'll just watch I'm like well you read it anyway why not do something that might develop you in some way that's insane um, has that ripple effect doesn't it because you could have showed them six strangers about a qigong you don't know them you might never see them again but maybe one of them was on their way down that road of depression or something mm-hmm. else but so you've given them and they might think oh god this is interesting i'll go to class they begin to develop themselves mentally physically and yeah, that's that's what we call that's life changing, isn't it? You've just yeah changed the whole direction of the of the future. 
It's one and of the things I, I loved about doing magic and street hypnosis. I never was a strict magician who just wanted to cause wonderment. I wanted to cause internal wonderment. I wanted them to go, well, if I can think like that for this, yeah, what can I think about for myself? And that's what I used to love. I'd meet people like down the line and they'd go, you know what? Remember that day you did that card trick and the card, whatever happened? I thought about that and then I started reading up on like psychology and, and persuasion and body language. And now because of that, I'm getting on better with my parents or my partner or, or at work or whatever. And so like you said, that's that almost random act of kindness, but a bit deeper because you know what you're doing and there's a lot more yeah. to it so you can ripple it out. So say if somebody was listening to this now and they, they cause we haven't made it clear yet, who is it that you would work with? Like what? What would it, if I was just coming to you for a session now, how would that look? Well, it's looking at your objective for the session, why you coming, you know, in some sort of pain that you're trying to move away from, some sort of emotional pain. Um, or <clears throat> is there something that you want to move towards because you believe it's going to take you away from that? Mm. Most people, um, as I said earlier, we're, we're problem solvers and, uh, and I always am very clear to people, I'm not giving you anything. Everything you, you need, you already have. I've just been trained in principles and theories and the practice of showing you where they are. Mm -hmm. That's lovely. I, I truly believe in that. You know, it's one of the commandments of NLP, isn't it? Nobody's mm -hmm. broke. Nobody needs fixed. We all get stuck. And I think as, as coaches and therapists, we, we have to we have to remember that and everybody that sits in front of me i all i always see the end result it's like um it's one of my favorite analogies is the is the the eagle's egg running into the farm and it, and it hatched and it grew up with the chickens and i believed that it was a chicken <laughs> you know and a lot of people in life uh walk about you know they're eagles but they believe they're chickens and uh if you can give them that 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 we taste uh, or that experience that there's something more in there, just put a seed in, in their mind and, and develop that curiosity. Because isn't that how we learn curiosity? Yeah. Well, what you know, as kids, what's that? What's that? Why? 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 <laughs> I still do that. <laughs> yeah. So it's uh, and then you've given them the tools and, and and a lot of them you'll never see again. Like even in the in the dance world, I've worked with over way over ten thousand dancers. A lot of them very elite, um, and great musician musicians and that. And um, <clears throat> you know what you've given them has changed their life. It's changed their whole self perception, their level of self esteem, confidence, self drive, and it will be life changing. They might see it. A lot of their parents, the teachers won't see it. A lot of teachers don't care. They just want their their wins. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, but as long as we know that, we know the science behind it. And it's as I explained to them, I'm just I'm just giving you the light switch. I'm showing you where the light switch is. You don't need to know how to wire up this room. You don't need to know about electricity. I can give you a light switch and just keep hitting it and you'll keep getting the light. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. It's just it's making the complex simple. So like I would teach a lot of wee techniques and I'm like I can teach you the science behind this, how it works, how it connects everything. 
or I can teach you how to do it and it'll do the job for you. Like you said, like the, the light switch, like nobody goes around going, oh, but I really need yeah. to know how that works before I press it. So just, just having that understanding that if they have yeah. the techniques and they just work towards it, then they can, they can further develop. Um, so, so the, the emotional side of it, I get a lot of that where like, I get a lot of clients that don't, don't understand their emotions, don't know how to deal with their emotions and I think almost don't believe they can control their emotions for want of a better term. How would you interact with someone that's coming to you and they're like emotionally, they tell you, because this is the way that they always word it to me. I'm emotionally, emotionally. damaged. Sorry, Liam, this is sticking out of what you said or, or mine. Just stuck a wee bit there. Um, <clears throat> well, that's actually one of the first things that it'll do with a client is it'll take them through the emotional scale. Uh, because when you speak about emotions of the mind, <clears throat> um, a lot of people just don't know what you're speaking about. It's like talking about the wind because you can't see it. <laughs> you know, it's, and I find too that um, even in uh, this time, it's to uh, you froze there. You hear me now? Yeah. I can hear you now. Yeah, you froze a wee bit there at. Um, after so, the wind, uh, I was up in um, I was up in Ulster University, and uh, I was speaking to the doctor that teaches the sports psychology degrees up there, and I was showing him my work because, as you know, I put a lot of this just and like yourself, you you put your own work and your own experiences together, and you develop your own your own system, and I wanted to know what it, what it was um, because it, I was asked to go up there and um, take part in you know. In, in a sports degree, a sports psychology degree. So I went up uh, and spoke to him and he started laughing and he says, why would you do that? He says, I know you and I know your work. He says, I actually read one of your books. And uh, I says, will you look at my work and tell me what it is? So, uh, or what, what do you think it is your perception? So I done it up on his whiteboard form. And he says, you've took advanced psychology and you've simplified it for children. He says, I've never seen that done before. He says, but I don't know the last, but I don't know what you're talking about there. And it was all to do with the, the hypnosis work, you know? Yeah. And, uh, so I, 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 we'll get into the conversation with applied, say, uh, applied kinesiology. And I started doing some of the muscle tests and stuff. And then I started, when I got one wee, some, you'll, you'll get muscles to switch off, like blowing a fuse. I got one. And then it starts, oh, yeah. And that, that's connected to, so say it was subscapularis, heart meridian, so that related to small intestine, the quads. And so I got him, I got him into a yes set, Liam. Yeah. <laughs> and I started switching off loads of muscles. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, I've done this a lot. I've done it with <clears throat> professional dancers who couldn't get off the floor. They actually believed I'd switched their whole body off just by starting with one suggestion. They become compliant and say yes, no. And then I tell them it's all rubbish. I made it up. Get off the floor. Don't ever let anybody do that in your life again. You know, because it's happening, as you know. Yeah. Uh, it's happening every day. But uh, <clears throat> that's that's when I decided to um, to push it a bit more and and pass it on because I, I want, especially in the dance world. That's why I started teaching ex dancers and and dance teachers because. Uh, there's only one of me and I, there's, there's other fields I'm focusing on at the moment. And I'd love to, I just didn't want to walk away from it. 
after 20 odd years. I wanted to pass it on. So I'd be happy that there's still um, competent teachers out there teaching these methods. There, there's thousands of kids coming through their classes every year. So they could be passing on the Dancing Minds program to them. That's brilliant. And giving them, make, make them a champion in, in school, but uh, in the dance school, but it'll make them feel like a champion the rest of their life. And yeah. that's what it's supposed to be about, isn't it? Yeah, I think that's, we would be in the CMV and we, we started coaching people because we wanted to help people. And then at some point you realize there's only so many people I can help. But if I start to coach coaches, then they, their ripple effect. And I have people that I've coached years ago still come back to me when they get a complicated issue and they'll come back and they'll be like, what's this? And I'm like, oh, did you try this? And then, oh, fuck, I forgot about it. Let me go back. Yeah. And then they go back. Yeah. Um, just to go back, I love, because I do the same thing, like sticking people's feet to the floor or their hands or whatever, they forget their name and then they do it. And then they'll be like, this is all nonsense. This is in your <laughs> head. And if you can let me get in and do that, what are you letting the stuff do when you're not aware? Let's start to get mm -hmm. our awareness up here, start to pay attention. Just like you're saying, like you put them, you switch the muscles off. Like even before, whenever I was doing magic, before I knew hypnosis, I knew kinesiology and I knew the body, how the body works. So I used to talk about mobile phones being so full of negative vibes that it'll mess your balance up. And I get people to hold it to the ear and try to balance and try to strengthen their arm and they'd be all weak yep. and then I'd get the phone away and do the same thing. And you'd be like, this is, this is all in your head. This is just body position, which leads me to, do you think the fact that you know so much about the body, the meridians, the everything, the way, the way the body works and how it interacts with words and feelings, that's, that makes you a better um, coach or a better therapist? Um, well, it's, it's nice to look at the whole person and, and you can't really separate them. As you know, if you're in physical pain, it's going to affect you emotionally. Mm -hmm. If you're in emotional pain, high levels of stress and anxiety, your body won't even assimilate the, the nutrition from the food. Um, plus you're suppressing the immune system, which will lead to down the line uh, a suppressed immune system it's open season for disease in the body then isn't it yeah so but to me the sub mind is everything even when people are in um and on their first session i will always check to see what's what's the subconscious doing here and is there any parts that's interfering with this what i'm going to do because i think a lot of the sort of conventional therapies um if they're like psychology um psychiatrists they're not really looking at the subconscious mind and it drives the bus as you know see eight yeah. percent of the total mind uh, it won't analyze and cause terrible diseases a horrible life for people a suppressed life but it's so easy to get in and just tweak it around that working i call it bringing the baby on board it was to say it's like a three-year-old child analytically yeah so let's bring the baby on board whatever your goals are in the future here um that's that's my perception of it so even when people are and you see it a lot in sport you know people say they're confident they're going to do this and do that and then when you check with a sub mind it's going the other way <laughs> yeah and they're still wondering why it's not i don't know why it hasn't worked because i really believe i can do it yeah like yeah. let's check that it doesn't seem like you believe it <laughs> yeah. not all the time you're like well that's yeah that's different so like 
I, I would find it like people we're great at hiding from ourselves, even though we are ourselves, but we're great at going like, I know whenever I had anxiety in the past, because I was a martial artist and stuff, I was like, I shouldn't have this. So nobody can know mm. I have this because I'm supposed to be this like <clears throat> big hardy man who does like Kung Fu and all. And like, mm. and then when you go into competition or you go in to even teach a big group, party believes well i can do this because you know you can but the, but like that will be anxiety parts going maybe you can't actually though maybe that's why you have anxiety because this isn't and because i wasn't looking at that i was trying to run away from it it just it's the uh, imposter syndrome people call yeah. it isn't it uh, so the... uh, and i think everybody especially as therapists you have to work on yourself a lot you yeah know, you have to um not take on board at the start i think for new coaches they take on everybody's problems don't they mm-hmm. and anyway i did at the start and getting into therapies and you're getting home and you're worrying about i've met doctors and all who do that and just totally burnt out yeah. um and you can't do that you have to develop that, that other side of the self um where you switch off you do your best and then you know you wash your hands of it that's it you know mm-hmm. you, you can't do more than your best but uh no Definitely, even um, I remember I took the Ulster tennis squads, and the the GB coach was over one of the GB coaches, and we're watching it then halfway through it, and she says to me, "What do you think of a man who she says he he was a sports psychologist in London, and he took a lot of my players from earning like seven grand a year to three million a year. They improved so much." Uh, he'd done a lot of corporate work and then he took his own life. She says, how can that happen? He says, well, it's a, just a simple example of somebody who doesn't work on themselves. Mm-hmm. They're busy working with other people, yeah. but they're not practicing what to preach. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to. Um, I think getting into the danger zone that you know everything, you don't need it and you don't have to be consistent in your practice like martial arts and many people's online now who put themselves in a pedestal as a master grand master they don't spar they don't train and then they're challenged by some young guy and mm-hmm. he, he beats them up on video but it's their ego isn't it the big yeah. ego the shadow self <laughs> and the, the problem with that as well is people get to the point where they they know what to do and how to do it and because they're not doing it, it's almost even worse then yeah. why do i feel like shit? well why am i not doing all the stuff i would tell because i i know i would do it i would sit and i would say to myself like i journal a lot so i'm able to recap my week and stuff but i would sit down and go what would you do if you were a client and if if anyone ever passed the room you would hear me talking to myself and i visualize myself in front of myself and i just talk what would you do if you were a client Tell me what you're going through, blah, 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 blah. Then I'd ask the questions and then I respond back. And it's funny. Hmm? Gestalt therapy. My my version. My my version. But all good tools. And again, what you're doing there, you're working directly with your subconscious. It doesn't know that you can't do that. It doesn't know, you know, a lot of the stuff that we do in hypnosis. Um, That's where the placebo effect comes in. And there's wasn't it i can't remember many years ago now it must be maybe 10 the american government give five billion dollars research money to six professors of medicine to study the placebo yeah it's so powerful yeah, um, yeah. but a lot of people are good at 
reversing it using a non-sebo. Yeah. The negative suggestions and negative hypnosis every day that they're practicing with themselves. Uh, like, you know? I, I would find that a lot. And one of my questions to people are, is always, do you have a good imagination? No, I don't. What did you think about before you came <laughs> in here? Well, I was thinking it was going to be uh, scary and you might be a bit like, I'd have to answer questions I didn't like. So you did use your imagination. You just used it negatively. Let's, so you have a good imagination. It's just used wrong. Let's try to get it uh, more positive. And the, the idea of taking on the, the problems, I just want to bring that back up. Because it's funny, I worked with loads of masters and gurus and shamans and everyone under everything and studied everything. And it was actually my mom that pointed that out to me. I crashed one day and I was just feeling feeling completely shit. And I said to mom, I was like, I have two clients this evening. I can't. And mom, it was mom. Do you ever notice that whenever you work really hard and you've lots of clients in a week, you crash? Mm. And then I was like, no, but I must look into that. Had a conversation mm. with myself and, and I, I wasn't even just working with them. I was feeling, I was getting in there, <clears> feeling <throat> it. And you're like, oh, you're taking this home. Yeah. We don't want to do that. That's very, very common. Very common. Yeah. And then some people don't. It depends on your personality. Um, but it can be trained. Like, because I don't know. Like, I. Mm. I. Uh, <clears throat> look at that. There's, there's lots of people out there have been struck off. Um, you know, for really, you know, frauding people as well. Um, and they're so cold about it. They, they don't they don't feel much you know yeah so it depends on and that, that's another thing uh i've done a, a couple of courses over lockdown like many people <laughs> uh, and one of them was on the personalities you know the personality that you're born into and starting looking at the shadow self which i would use with all my clients now and when you shadow self is, the, it, is your ego just for people that don't know yeah it's it's um these deep compulsions that we have. And some people have a compulsion to help others, mm -hmm. but they can over help. They can give too much themselves away. So it's like they're given from the root, not the fruit of yeah. the tree and the tree will die. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so it's about balance, isn't it? Of course, everything in life is balance. And the only way to learn that is through practice. Yeah. You, you become a better coach through practice, like a, a better athlete, a better musician there's no shortcuts and you know a lot of people will do it and even see people advertising all the big gurus become a life coach in two days become you know what i mean and seven pounds okay. seven dollars <laughs> you go through a book in two days but where's your clients where's your experience and it becomes dangerous then mm -hmm. there's people i wouldn't even see or touch i, I just refer them you know yeah uh, and you know yourself there's certain people unless you speak to their doctor you don't you don't work with them yeah and that's one of the things i really like about you as a coach is that you're the same as myself we've been in this a long time not to show our age but we're in a long time and we're always trying to learn and still willing to turn down a client like i've chatted to coaches and they're saying about this crazy situation they're in with a client and it's a real challenge for me and i'm like it doesn't sound like it's for you. It doesn't sound like you should be. Have you ever worked with this type of thing before? Have you spoke to their doctor? Have you interacted with their family or anything to find out what's really going on? They're like, no, I'm just taking it on as a challenge. You're like, that's that's ego coaching <laughs> there. That's fucking. Yeah. What happens when you lose that challenge? That's yeah. 
that's the problem and and i i know it's one of the hardest things to do but to tell a client i don't think like i've had experiences in the past where they've come in with same when i i was doing just the hypnotherapy and it'd be like i just want to quit smoking and we chat for about 20 minutes and i'm like hold on a minute smoking's the front problem but that's not what's going on i think Mm -hmm. you're I don't think I'm right coach for you. I know people that I can send you to and just having that conversation. Like it's really hard to, mm. it's really hard to do it with them. But for me, I'm like, it's better for them in the long run yeah, that they yeah, work the with. More, the more history and background you can get the better, isn't it? Um, yeah. Even with uh, a lot of hands-on therapists now, mm-hmm. you're straight in. They don't take a history. Yeah. When I... injuries occur, if it's happened before, who have you seen? Not straight on, bump, 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 money out. Yeah. And it becomes um, just a quick turnover like McDonald's, you know. I, uh, they're missing I work, so, many, so many problems. I worked with a client, kinesiology client that came in and he had been to other people and stuff and he, he was right and old and we were having the discussion and he was saying, God, they don't normally have this discussion. And as we were talking, I could hear a tick. I was thinking, what the fuck? That's not rhythmical enough to be a watch. And I said to him, is your watch broke or whatever? And he goes, oh, I don't wear a watch. What's the tech? Oh, it's my pacemaker. Oh. <laughs> I was like, we've had a 20-minute conversation. You never mentioned you have a yeah, pacemaker. Yeah. I didn't think it was relevant. You're only looking at my arm. I was like, Jesus. Funny, there's uh, I know a lot of people, uh, they don't tell you everything. I remember one <laughs> years ago. And uh, he came in, I thought he was drunk. I actually thought he was drunk and um, the way he was really irrational. And I says, have you been, but it was in the morning. Aye. And um, I says, sorry, I'm just going to get a wee glass of water here. And I said to the physio next door, who knew him? And he says, he hasn't taken his medication. I bet he's diabetic. And he was really, and he was, he wanted to get out and drive the car. And all we, we um, had to get, uh, <clears throat> get somebody down for him. But, you can miss so many things. And it's it's you can miss like, so many things. People are just for a symptom. Yeah. Um, which even even people who have a really low self-esteem or no confidence of the fears and phobias, it's it's took a while to build that up, hasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's funny, so, like yeah. you, you can miss it even after doing a 20-minute consultation because they don't tell you. So imagine what you're missing when you're just like jump on that bed there, I'll yeah. rub you out. Good luck. Yeah. Um, I don't do any hands-on now, I just with family or friends, but I lost the passion for it. I love, like to teach it, but I, I think you have to really love what you do. Yeah. And I love the psychological work and, and working with the athletes and stuff. But I just fell out of love with the hands-on because I got to the point where you're just working with one person all the time where I started thinking, I'm only, I can only help one person here in an hour. Yeah. But with the groups, I can help 30 or 50 people in an hour. Yeah, <laughs> I, I would have been the same. You're, you're almost like when I was doing the kinesiology and I did 14 years of it. It's almost like you're going through the motion yeah. of it. And I, I would be doing the physical whilst mentally doing the mental work anyway. And then I, I had mm-hmm. the same sort of light bulb moment where I was like, what they're really get, they're getting, they're getting the kinesiology um, techniques but what they're taking away is the psychology stuff yeah why why not just like yourself if i do instead of doing one person if i do 
a group of 30 at once, then they can just go to for a massage later and they'll, they'll yeah. get the same soft think, tissue. Yeah. But even, um, I meet a couple of friends who do martial arts every week, but even when we finish, we just walk on each other. Like the Thai stuff, just to finish. So we'll all get worked on. I like that you added yeah. like the Thai stuff because for people listening, they'll be going, what? <laughs> <laughs> well, don't wear high heels. <laughs> uh, I landed under that class. And what is this part of the class? I was just, we need this, but this is fine. Um, yeah. So over lockdown, then you pivoted more to teaching co coaches, teaching your coaching your and, and, and looking at what I was doing and, and working on myself, you know. Um, I felt, remember even the last time I flew back from uh, America after doing a workshop, you get that feeling that there's a new chapter coming. Yeah. And I need to, you know, I've been there and done this thing, I need to pass it on. Mm -hmm. uh, I, th I think the coaches, especially the teachers, were very surprised at how much it worked on them as a coach. That's yeah. what blew them away. They, when I asked them all, they says it, they, they've got to really understand themselves more and how to develop themselves. Um, because uh, I think you have to do that. You have to look at the, all the nitty gritty, mm -hmm. all the stuff that you, you're hiding from yeah, and, yeah. and work on it. And uh, there's so much, like we all, it has to be consistent, doesn't it? You can't just stop. You can't yeah, stop yeah. working on yourself. Nobody can. Nobody knows it all. Everybody messes up. Everybody falls. The only thing that doesn't fall in life is a snake <laughs> or a worm. <laughs> so, uh, and it's, you, you get up and you keep going. That's why the, the, um, the first week book, I wrote that piece of success. To me, that is you know people talk about the secret and yeah, yeah. well-marketed stuff but we have we all have a strategy for mm -hmm. success and it was taught to you by your parents yeah and it wasn't your parents it was whatever peers that brought you up um and and it's you know it's that you, you don't start anything until the preparation so the mental preparation nobody's going to lift the child off this, I'm sitting on the ground and it's nappy to walk. Nobody. Yeah. Don't even stand up against the furniture and moving around. You know the, the mental preparations there. Mm -hmm. That's when you start. And then you need good people to teach you the skills and support you and pick you up when you fall because you're going to fall an awful lot. But you'll be persistent as a child because it's fun. There's no fear <laughs> yeah. of failure. Yeah. So when you're picked up, you're supported and you get this, yay. You'll progress, and when you progress, you associate pleasure to the activity, mm -hmm. and you just keep going, uh, and you're positive as a child as well. So, if if you're not doing well in anything in life, have you lost the preparation? Is the passion gone? Uh, are you not being persistent in your practice because you don't enjoy it? Do you, are you not supported by the right people? Mm -hmm. You surrounding yourself with people who are holding you back, pulling you down. You know, so it's the same for anything. If somebody can walk in life, then you have a you have a success strategy that never ever fails. Yeah, no matter who you are, what you're doing, um, and it's back to something everybody can relate to that. So you learn to ride a bicycle, how you learn to roller skate, swim, whatever, same yeah. thing. But yet, clever marketing and social media over the years has sucked people into this nonsense that there's some sort of secret out there and the more expensive it is 
then the better it is. And you yeah. probably see a lot of people like myself, Liam, who've got themselves in debt over this nonsense. And people yeah. selling them stuff that doesn't work and they know it doesn't work. And it's just all about the money. Yeah. And I've had people actually come to me after they've bought courses and they're like, well, how do, how do, what do I do here? I'm in debt. This isn't teaching me how to be successful. What, what do I do? And I'm like, what do you want me to do here? Like, yeah. The, the, Crazy. The, the Crazy. idea of the persistence that that's, I don't know anyone that's successful. that isn't persistent. And that's what I think a lot of people lack. They, they want like, like you were saying there about your, your, your coaches, your coaches learn about themselves. Whereas you go to a lot of different programming and I've been in a lot of stuff over the years. And, and I got to the point where people probably hate me being in the room because I'll question it. And it's like, they teach you to use this technique on your client. What does that do for me? <laughs> no, no, no. It's just a cookie cutter. We throw that. Like I have a book behind me, the hypnotic scripts. And, uh-huh. and if I was to believe that book, it would be a case of what's wrong with you? I'm afraid of bats. How long? Here we go. And then a strip. What's wrong with you? You pee yeah. the bed, no baller. Yeah. Here we go. A lot go. of people do that. <laughs> yeah. Whereas what you're saying there, and it's like even when we did the, the martial arts massage course, I've been to massage courses and no one's touched anybody. I oh, know. And at oh, the no. end, they're like, here's a certificate. Sure, there was years and years ago, there was a job going. Uh God, it must be about 18, 17, 18 years ago. There was a job going in one of the attacks to teach sports massage, and I went for the interview. And uh, one of the girls in the panel said to me afterwards, you had that job until you started running us down the way we thought. But then they were sending people out with no uh, hands-on <laughs> skills. It was all theory. Yeah. But it's, as you know, it's different when you go to Asia. You're just mm-hmm. massaging eight hours a day and being massaged and, and constantly worked on. It's like learning a trade. You're yeah. out, you're the builder, or the painter, the spar, and you're, you're pretty. Mm-hmm. You do the theory, but you're hands-on hands-on yeah i remember working with a a masseuse a masseuse came to me and said do you want to do swaps you work with me and i work with you and i worked with her for the first half hour and she got off the bed and she's like i this isn't going to work because if i do what i am trained to do you you're going to give you're going to shoot me down here what you did was amazing what i do i'm realizing now i don't have a clue what i'm doing because mm-hmm. I was explaining why I was doing what I was doing and this is this and this is what this is for and this is why I'm doing this and how come I'm touching that this is what this she's like I think I just rub people in a sequence <laughs> that's what I was taught yeah, like, skin polish I, in, in a specific sequence no matter what's yeah. wrong or what's going on and like I remember working with a client and he came in with a sore ankle and just the way he walked I started on his hip and he was like he was over from England and he was like look I have a physio that fixes this every week I was like, that should be your first alarm bell. <laughs> Fixes yeah. this every week. Like, <laughs> I did, did the yeah. hip, knee, ankle, and he got up and he went, fucking hell, that actually feels good. Like how, how many people out there seriously get their upper traps rubbed? They're very tight, yeah? And yeah. it's usually a case of latissimus dorsi is switched off, so the scapula is lifting. This is shortening. They're getting this rubbed instead of find out what's going on with this it's usually emotional because it's a spleen muscle mm-hmm. yeah spleen stomach related to the emotion of worry these <laughs> people are worrying it's not <laughs> about covid they're worried about russia worried about debt oil going up got that's the way life's designed now to keep everybody in worry and fear self-doubt confusion it's the only way to control 
millions of people. <laughs> and whenever you point it out, it's funny. You point out to people, is there anything you're worrying about? They think you're a fucking wizard then. How did you know? And like, well, your your body told me. Uh, you're like tuned in and you're like, well, it's not magic. It's, I understand how the body works and how everything's connected and what's going on. And people won't stop worrying until they're, 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 they experience what it's doing to their system. They have no clue. Aye. They have no clue of, uh, and that's what I'd say to people, if, if, and anybody can try it out there, take any muscle in the body, you know, pectoris, major, clavicular, anterior, delts, any leg muscle, close it, hold it. So get it, resist the muscle, and then ask somebody to close their eyes and think about something that's causing worry in their life. Mm. And the, the muscles switch off. Yeah. But yeah. that's, and that happens just, you're only asking them to think about it for a couple of seconds. There's people are thinking about that for hours and all, all day, every day, for weeks, months, and years. Mm-hmm. And that is, it's not just switching off their muscles, it's switching down, turning off the immune system. Yeah. I... And they may, people are not aware consciously that their muscles are switching off, that the body, is leaving losing proprioception the, the balance and that so what's the message through the autonomic nervous system going to the head i'm not strong so i'm not safe i'm not safe there's more stress internal yeah. stress so it's i think it's, it's something to be taught in schools this from p6 or 7 right up yeah but again if if they haven't thought about it, if it doesn't tick the box then well I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's all, one all of the things what you do, and, and um, keep doing it, you know. Uh, but uh, what about the, you're saying about the martial arts? You still training yourself, Liam? St- still training. I injured my back at the start of twenty something. The lockdowns have fucked up my time span, but about a year and a half ago, injured my back, and I'm just getting back around it now. Because I, when I injured myself, I just went back into old school Liam mode. And I was like, oh, it's only your back. You can still do your legs and your arms. And all you can find. <laughs> I um, know. Um, ruined myself more. Well, so. no, when you think of some of the stuff you've done years ago, like, can I, you know, even when we boxed there, I remember the old coaches, if you had a flu, a really bad flu, and you used to go down to the club and you were shaking, they say, get on the bag and sweat it out. I sweat it out. Yeah. <laughs> sweat that out. You'll be grand. Or, like, have you have you done have you done his knuckles? Well, you got another hand, haven't you? Get yeah. In there and stop complaining. That was, that was always the thing about martial arts. My arms killing me. Right, we're gonna do sticking hands, but just one arm. Put the arm behind your back. And I, <laughs> all right, this is terrible. I'm just not getting out of any of this. But that's you are learning resilience, aren't you? Yeah, but it's funny you don't know it at the time, and then yeah. over, like I I remember the first time I ever got punched properly in sparring. Like the guy just threw a really nice left hook and just caught me in the head and I stopped and immediately I thought to myself my brother hits me harder than this for the crack because mm. we used to do WWF we used to be, think we were wrestlers so we'd bat- we thought it was real but if it yeah. is real whatever we used to batter each other so when I get hit and the whole room stopped because this is a guy he was a world champion Sandow fighter he actually then spun and heel kicked me in the back of the neck straight after because i was still like i'd never sparred properly and i was like Ugh. but every time he hit me i just kept thinking sean hits me harder for when we're having a bit of crack and i remember mm-hmm. when he spin and he kicked me straight after too the the master was like 
like, stop, you need to sit down. And I was like, why? What's I was checking for blood and all. I was like, why? And he was like, you just got spin and heel kicked. And like, is that I'd never been spin and heel kicked before either. So I was like, is that bad? Is that something that I should sit down for? And they were like, you don't, are you all right? And I'm like, I don't know. I, I didn't know what to know. But when I look back, I was like, it was all the resilience of me and my brother doing wrestling and, and camel clutches and Boston crabs, probably why my back so easily broke when I got older. <laughs> but now, whenever I'm coaching, I, I, I try to really keep that at the front of my mind and building resilience. So I don't want you to go away knowing I know how to deal with one specific thing that happens. Like I used to be afraid of being in a car. I'm not afraid. I know how to deal with cars. I want you to realize this is all interconnected. And if you know how to be resilient, it doesn't matter if it's a car or on a bridge mm. or, or, or wherever it is, which yeah. I think, and I, and I get hands up, I, I suppose like most people, when you're young, you get mixed up with mental toughness and mental resilience. Yeah. Mental toughness. And anything younger that comes is more too hard and brittle just breaks. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and the resilience, uh, you know, you need to be made of rubber. Yeah. You need to, and there's times you need to rest and don't be afraid to ask people for help. Yeah. We get into this. I think a lot of martial arts artists do and boxers, you get in the mentality, you know, that's a sign of weakness, but it's not. It's a sign of common sense. Uh, sometimes that goes at the start. Like, like the... I remember being doing arm toughening with a guy that was much bigger than me and my arm just swole out in a big balloon and I immediately <laughs> rubbed it out. I was like, I'll, I don't like, didn't know what I was. I just knew if I rub that away, I'll be able to keep going and I'm black and blue and still training on and then driving home. My arm doesn't work. Why is this yeah. not working? I rub that out. <coughs> and it, it's like you're saying, you, you think even that mental toughness, but it was more stupidity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you just keep. No, but you do. I think uh, most of us get into martial arts and boxing because you've been bullied in somewhere. You want confidence, so you put up with that. And even looking back, doing the boxing after a couple of hours, it was mad. The beating slick. and I had my cheekbone fractured, my nose, and my dad sent me down to a boxing club. And them days. You know, there wasn't enough room in the club. And I think about 20 of us went down together. So my old coach Patsy says right in the ring and put this big lad, big tall fella. I always remember a bit of a birthmark on his face and he must have told him the hammers. <laughs> Noses were bleeding. I had a black ear and all when I went home. Um, cried my eyes out. Remember thinking to myself, I'm not leaving till I get him back. Because <laughs> I was just fed up with the bullying, you know, in the school yeah. and stuff. Um, and that's what I just boxed from I was 12, there was 24, more for people just to leave me alone. Mm -hmm. No. Um, but then I when I stopped that, the Thai boxing arrived in Belfast. I was like, whoa, I was still boxing when I'd done the Thai as well. But it was a new thing, and you were allowed to kick and knee people, you know. And, yeah. Uh, the shin conditioning. And then it was like most of us uh, at the martial arts, come on, we'll all get a job in the door. Because <laughs> we're tough guys, <laughs> yeah. More of a bit of a banter session at the weekend, and one of my friends, Paul Devaney, and Paul was great at Wing Chun, and uh, he brought a magazine in one time. I'd been training with Chinese uh, man Albert Wong, who was a bamboo chamber prayer mantis uh, master. Then he stopped the class, so uh, Paul says to me, "What about this guy in London here? He's um." 
I've been staying in Hong Kong six months of every year for me was I think 16, 15 or 16. Um, and it was uh, my seafood, Paul Whitrod. So I just got a ticket, went to London. I'd never been there before. Looked, I remember when I walked in, he was actually had a big, it was like a Chinese walk full of sand and a round stone in it. And he was beating it with one knuckle under the sand and lifting it up again. And so <clears throat> I thought it was quite tough and awesome. Could have taken a private lesson and he'd done some of the bone conditioning. I just wanted to vomit. I never felt that like it. He was hitting me. I thought it was like somebody was hitting me in the hand with a sledgehammer. Yeah. Just vibrating right down into me. And then he beat the arms of me. And he says, um, if you want to come back then, come back. And I was he just hardly spoke to me. He didn't really, uh, in them days, the classes were really tough. He hardly spoke to me for three years. I was going to go back and forth, back and forth. Um, good friends now. He yeah. taught me the Chinese medicine. And, and uh, the, the uh, I'm going over, what, 29 years now? You know, I like to get back over and see all my, my friends I, I, I grew up training with. I'm a teacher, but uh, I don't train the way I used to. Very, you couldn't. Really, really hard. And you were, you talk about black and blue. Like, days I couldn't walk back to get the, the train. Yeah. And then you add it the next day again. And you just rub it the dajal and medicine around your body. Yeah. But I was on a journey of building a shell around myself, trying to make myself, even, I remember classes, um, I broke my ribs. And I was still taking my own classes in the Conway Mill, wasn't seen it as a weakness not to go. Yeah. You know, dislocated thumbs hanging out halfway through the class. Remember dislocate the thumb out of the socket. I'll go to the hospital after the class, not going. Yeah. Saying a weakness. You know? Um and then you you, you that's why I went to Singapore and done the big fire walk in the Mariamon Temple. And uh, I was on that journey of her gonna Get, put myself through more pain. How can I make myself tougher and tougher and tougher mentally, mm. physically? And then um, that sort of peaked two, the year 2000. Then I was managing the fitness suite and running the sports injury clinic in Royal Mail House. Uh, the martial arts school going, everything was great. And then was my wee brother. Uh, mm. Took his own life and that's life hitting you harder than anybody will ever hit. None prepares you for that. You can't hit back. No. And that's where you need to have that emotional intelligence and support around you. Yeah, that's so, when you learn your... Because when you're telling that story, it just remains... There's so many parts of it that people who know me will be listening going, all right, so Liam isn't mental. Because I, I had mm -hmm. my rib broken a class. And I it was a wrestling class. And I continued on and wrestled finished the rounds broken rib be fine then went to get it checked out after so people think it's mad but it, it, it is when you're in that mindset of that's showing weakness and i'm tough and the more like like steel being battered to be turned into a sword you're like that's me i'm being turned into a weapon and then like you said <laughs> life yeah. happens and your brain it's, goes, it's it's chapters you go through in your life isn't it everybody has their there are different um, chapters and different things. Even with, uh, after Singapore, I like guess it's a big, one of the biggest fire walks in, in Asia. And there's a lot of stuff you do before it, you know, that's really mentally tough. And I had no skin in my feet, really. And they were all blistered before I walked on the fire because of the preparations before it. 
walking around the streets of Singapore in the midday sun and stuff. But uh, well, I was chatting to a lady when I came home about it. She was saying, oh, God, how do you do that? It's so tough and all. I could never do anything like that. I said she could. It's 2000, I think 2000. Indians done it on the day. It was the first Westerner to ever do it from its beginnings in 1840. But I says, that was only one day of pain. Mm-hmm. One or two days, I says, there's people sitting in the hospice for months with their children. There's people yeah. who are living pain every single day of their life. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's it's hard if you're comparing it to your comfort zone. But yeah. if you're comparing it to some other people out there who, you know, every day they're getting up, it's like climbing Everest. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're the people... That again in society, they're not they don't get the recognition on social media. Nobody looks up to them, nobody gets excited when you talk about them. But they are to me, they're the real heroes out there. Yeah, it's so I'll say to all my clients that today you might literally climb Everest, or today you might get out of bed, and there'll be just as big a achievements because of how you feel in the moment of doing it. And it's recognizing that that the small mini wins are just as important as the big crazy wins because you, you're you're developing that ability to go, well, I can do what I thought I couldn't do, even if it is making yourself a meal, like whatever, whatever it happens to be. And like you said, the social media, if you posted, I got out of bed today within 10 minutes instead of two hours like yesterday, people will go, I got out of bed at six o'clock and I had a shower, the cool shower. Then I went for a cool run around, like they'll name all the shit that they did. And you're like, that's not the point. The point is like, if you're not challenging, your challenge is different to my challenge. So when people tell me if my challenge was getting out of bed in the morning and they're like, I got up and run a 5km every day. Why why didn't you run 15k? Too hard. Well, that's what it feels like for them getting out of bed. Yeah. So tomorrow when you get up run a marathon for the crack and then tell me mm. what you've done um sean i'm very wary of your time there because i'm yeah. supposed to keep an eye on time and i'm terrible at it so yeah. I, I, i'll keep talking to you forever if we just keep going so um hopefully you'll just come back someday mm-hmm. uh where where would be so we've talked about a lot of different things um I would love for people who want to be coaches in anything that, that want to further the development to reach out to you because that's like, I know what you deliver. I, I've seen your talks. I've read the book. I've seen like you started up your YouTube again, which is good. So people are get... terrible on social media. <laughs> I roll out it and then I drift and then somebody say, you haven't done a YouTube in a while ago. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then you come, come back to it. Yeah, uh, it is. It's difficult. Like I, I actually have to just, I had to sit myself down and schedule it like Mondays are my YouTube or my scheduling days. And even at that, like I'll drift as well. And people do the same. I thought you were doing this. And I'm like, yeah, it's technical issues. Yeah. I technically forgot. <laughs> so, so where, where do people Definitely find the chain? This movie shop. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That is <clears> well, so throat> much. Go ahead. Thanks for your time anyway, and um, we'll have to tie up soon for a coffee. That will be great. Um, where yeah, do people find you, though, before we start arranging our meetups? Where, where's oh, yeah. the best? Um, SeanConnolly.info. Cool. You can get me through the website, SeanConnolly.info. I'll link everything up just to be sure as well. Um, 
Sean, I really appreciate it. I love our conversations and I know everyone else will as well. Um, for everyone watching and listening, thank you very much. And I'll see you on the next one.